Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. This is Mess. Little kids, like me. Hello and welcome to This Glorious Mess Little Kids. My name is Tegan Natoli and I am a woman with three children and that's all I have to say about you that right now. You feel a bit stressed today. Are you okay? I'm just a bit flustered. you got a lot you going know? on. There's a lot going on. But you know what? Such is life. Such is life. At least your car seats don't smell like poo. Well, I beg to differ. But, oh, that's, that's <laughs> but tell me more about yours. Well, I'm Lee Campbell and on the weekend, Alexander's got good at telling me when he's done a poo and we were waiting. That's in the, really good. Yeah, it's good. And we were waiting in the car park at Bunnings. Rich went in to do something and I said I could smell. I was like, oh, bub, have you done a poo? Yeah. Do you need me to change your nappy? Yeah. Well, obviously he does. But normally we'll say, like, we're up the road. I <laughs> nah, was like, Mama, I love poo smeared between my butt cheeks. <laughs> I was like, can we wait till you get home? Do you want to change your nappy? Yeah. No, he normally says no. Oh. And so I got him out of the car seat and, like, our car was full of stuff. I normally use the boot, but I had to put him in the front passenger seat to change it. And as soon as oh, I took yeah, his pants so off, annoying. it fell all over everywhere. Oh, and because the, the passenger seat is always angled and um, it's not. Yes, and his head is in the middle console <laughs> and he's like, oh, buttons. So he's turning the air up. He's turning the volume up. People are looking at me. There's poo falling it's everywhere. so funny. Banjo at the moment. He's going through this phase where he thinks that, like, me changing his nappy is hilarious oh, and goodness. ticklish. Yeah. So he does the, like, belly laugh and the squirm. <laughs> and I'm like, Sit this still. is not meant to be fun for you because no. it's certainly not fun Honestly, for me. Honestly, there's so much focus on baby poo, but toddler poo is just epic. Well, that's what I think. But then it's so funny. Jason said to me the other day, he's never changed nappy. He's <laughs> like one of those dads. But he the other day started changing them all of a sudden and I'm like, he goes, oh, I can do the toddler ones. It's the little ones. I'm like, no way, no man. Way. No, I'm toddler sorry. Toddler ones are hum- so Toddlers much are worse. humans, and that's just human poo. Anyway, <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> today? Good to know they are humans. We are going to be talking about developmental milestones. So whether they're physical, like holding up their head by three to four months, or using five words by eighteen months, we use them as goalposts to make sure our little ones are right on track. And I know that you were all about a milestone. I love a milestone. Alexander didn't hold his neck up till about six months because when we did tummy time, he'd just fall asleep. I must say, have no idea when what milestone well, was. Well, I think that's being being oblivious is probably better because you saved yourself a whole lot of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I always did like the doctor immunization stuff and you know how there's their little checklist. Yes. I'm like, right, so are we on track? Okay, good to know. See you next time. <laughs> See you in six months. But what if your little one isn't meeting those milestones? Later on in the show, we're talking to an expert about falling behind and the signs that it might be time to seek help. And of course, we'll finish up with our WTFs of the week. But right now, we have a listener dilemma. Now it's time for Listener Dilemmas. Yay! This guy! So, Listener Dilemma this week. A couple of weeks ago, Tegan was talking about her daughter's constipation. Oh, yes. Can't wait till our kids can listen to this show and really hate us. (laughs) I feel like all I've done since becoming a mum is talk about poo. Same. 
And we're going to do that more now because <laughs> why not? In the Facebook group, Danica asked, "Hey parents, I have an 18-month-old daughter. Since she was a young bub, she has always suffered from constipation. It comes in waves, but when it's bad, it's bad. It's been hard little nugget-like poos." For over two weeks now, too much information I know, but we have all heard many (laughs) poo stories to the point where I think at times it's affecting her behavior. She's getting overwhelmed and agitated easily. Let's just say it's more tears than usual. Mm. Seeing her unhappy and uncomfortable breaks my heart. Being only 18 months old, I don't think she can take any vitamins or supplements yet. I'm just trying to think positive and tell myself it's a phase that will pass. We have our first appointment with a pediatrician in two months time. Tegan, you have experience in this area. I just want to say don't wait two months for a peed. Find a new peed because this can actually really, and I don't want to freak you out, but it can really impact their internal organs and things like that. I was actually going to say the same thing because I did wait and like it doesn't really improve. It's obviously no matter for what reason, whether it's something to do with their diet or something to do with, you know, insides. If there's generally a pattern, it's going to stay that way until you change it. And I've heard that the child can then develop anxiety around toileting. and. Well, yeah. Like you've heard my stories about Samara. You know, she's always gone in and out. And same thing. It does come in waves. So you think, oh, maybe it was just something she ate. But then two weeks later, you'll find yourself in the same position. So... Look, I'm not a doctor and I can't prescribe what your child should You're be taking. You're not a doctor. Well, sometimes I think I am. <laughs> and we've tried lots of things. What is it? Coloxal. We've tried Movacol. The one that's working. Osmolax. The one, yeah, the one that's working for us at the moment is Osmolax. But even just finding the right amount to use can take a little while as well. So definitely maybe chat to a GP. You don't necessarily have to wait for a paediatrician. No, and that's what I was going to say. So my GP is amazing and if something's urgent, he won't just give me a referral. He will ring around and say, this is urgent on behalf of this Mm. mother. Like she can't go on the end of your waiting list. And oftentimes GPs have those relationships yeah. with specialists, not just for kids, but for anything. Yeah. You know, if you've got something suspicious and you need to see a derm, oftentimes you can't wait the months and months. So I would get your GP to ring someone and say, hey, this, you know, yeah. this is quite a serious issue with my child. I would get your GP to ring a specialist and say, hey, how early can you get this parent in? Because I remember with my son, when he was five weeks old, he had an issue with his What's those organs? Something quite important. I can't remember now. Kidney? Kidneys. Thank you. Kidneys. And he was on a paediatrician thing for months and then they were like, oh, no. And they rang up and he was in in two days. So I would um, get a second opinion and get into a doctor ASAP. Mm. Uh, That wasn't all that helpful, but I hope that it's resolved soon. Let us know how you go in the Facebook group. And please send us your questions or dilemma. We would love to help you. You can email tgm at mamamia.com.au or you can call the pod phone on 028999386. Generally speaking, kids usually develop skills over similar timelines. Whether it's motor skills, hearing or speech, we usually anticipate that babies will hit certain milestones at certain times. But what if your little one is missing the milestones? Should we worry about our kids falling behind or could it just be a short-term delay? To better understand developmental milestones and what to do if our little ones are falling behind, we have Ali Gebhardt, Clinical Director and Occupational Therapist at NAPA, Neurological and Physical Habilitation Centre. So Ali, could you explain and give us an example of some common developmental milestones? Of course. I would say the most common ones that everyone kind of knows about, children crawling and walking, would be kind of the biggest ones that everyone thinks about when they're thinking about physical milestones. I think it's really important to kind of focus on, you know, being able to roll, being able to sit up 
on your own, staying sitting up as well and balancing in that seated position, as well as crawling, cruising on furniture, which is like holding onto a piece of furniture and Mm. stepping from side to side. And then obviously walking and then going on from there, we've got running and hopping and skipping and more of the higher level gross motor skills as well. Mm, I never even thought of skipping and, and hopping. Oh, my gosh. My twins yeah. are trying to skip at the moment and it's a sight. It is so <laughs> funny. A three-year-old trying to learn to skip. <laughs> but apparently it takes them until they're about five to learn the, to, the motion part. of skipping. It's Absolutely funny. Absolutely it does. It's yeah. like little Bambies. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so, Ali, as the parents, should we be fixated yeah. on making sure our little ones are passing these, uh, I guess, milestones at particular times? Because there's guidelines around timing, right? There are guidelines, yeah, but they are quite broad and it really comes down to a lot of different environmental factors that come into kids developing and meeting those milestones. I wouldn't be so focused on at 12 months, my child must be taking their first steps. Mm. When you look at the guidelines, particularly for walking, the guidelines are, you know, nine to 18 months or, you know, nine to 16 months, really. And that's, you know, 50% of those kiddos would be taking their first steps between the eight to 12 months. But there are definitely outlying kids that you know, develop a little bit earlier or develop a little bit later. It's not something that I would be overly concerned and like frantically going to my GP or my pediatrician and being like, my kid's got a delay. But it's <laughs> like, definitely- like I did. <laughs> it's funny, Tegan and I are two very types of parents. She's very relaxed. Right. I'm very... Um, <laughs> research let's say that I took my son he was eight months and he still wasn't sitting uh, like staying sitting up and but I did I took him to the pediatrician he went oh okay maybe let's let's look into it and then seriously the next day he did it yeah (laughs) so and he's just behind it often happens and I mean you think about it like even like sitting up unassisted that's like six to nine months that kind of comes about and it depends on so many different factors but a lot of the time like it's definitely a really good idea to keep an eye on things and kind of, you know, watch what's happening and keep track of things. But it's definitely, you know, like if your kid's maybe like a month or so behind, it's not like, oh, my goodness, something is wrong. You know, mm-hmm. kids develop at different stages. And uh, what I find the funniest is that you'll often find kiddos who might be, you know, the third or fourth child in the family and you get stories about these kids developing a lot later than their siblings did. And the parents are like, what on earth is going on? But if you think about it, be like, this child is here and they have mum and dad and older siblings and they are just doting on this younger child. And the kid's like, I don't have to move. Yeah. <laughs> People just like, bring me I'm stuff. Just chill yeah, out I don't even have to ask. Yeah. Right? Like the ball rolls away and then just it just suddenly appears next to me <laughs> yeah. again. You know, so... There are definitely different factors in regards to development. Like you have a guideline for a reason, but it's not like set in stone with months and days when you should be developing. Are there any other factors? I was going to ask whether they were first born or third born. That that makes total sense. (laughs) What about, you know, gender, if a little baby boy or baby girl, does that come into it? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. I think when you're thinking more about the higher level gross motor skills, then yes, you might find, again, this is a huge generalisation, but you might find boys might develop a little bit sooner because they're wanting to be up and going, whereas the girls might be wanting to sit and play with, you know, dolls and things like that. Again, that's a huge generalisation. I do know that. But sometimes that comes into play. I think what I find the biggest difference between 
boys and girls comes more into fine motor skill development and that's where you see a, a bigger gap between males and females you know the girls might be wanting to do more craft and they might be wanting to make necklaces and do all of that whereas the boys want to be outside kicking the ball so you might find that you know when you're starting kindergarten the difference between the boys and the girls in the kindergarten class might be a bit different because you know their the interests change and things like that yeah I think that that's when you kind of find more of the difference between gender Mm -hmm. not so much with the earlier development and if your child is falling behind sometimes might Mm -hmm. they be behind more so in one area and then possibly excel in another or is it generally across the board look I think if you're seeing like delays in one area it's not too much of an issue if you're seeing delays in multiple areas like if you're seeing delays in gross motor skills and in you know behavioral kind of things and um even you know like your social emotional connection you know they're babbling and speaking and things like that that might be something to have a look at and you know definitely move on to you know having a conversation with your gp or pediatrician um but you might find kids might be very vocal very early and they develop their gross motor skills that little bit later or they might be you know the opposite way around so there definitely can be some flexibility and variability with the different types of milestones too. There's so many little skills well not little big skills for our little people to master like speaking Mm -hmm. and movement and stuff like Mm -hmm. that what can parents do to encourage Uh, these skills to come on you know is it reading is it jumping is it going to the park singing (laughs) Tegan loves singing (laughs) absolutely particularly for speech skills kids need to be able to hear that and it needs to be modeled to them you know have conversations with your babies when they're babbling you know repeat back what the kiddo is babbling to you or you know encourage their singing encourage that vocalization I think a lot of parents at the moment you know we might be doing lots of things you know we're really busy as adults at the moment you know we're <laughs> functioning where we've all got a lot on our plates you know and if you're going around to different appointments or going shopping and doing all of these different things and you've got bub with you have a think about what position that baby's going to be in you know that baby's always going to be in the stroller or on you know a chest harness or things like that so Definitely making sure you give kids opportunities to be down on the floor, being on their tummies, developing and moving around rather than always being, not constrained, but being... I guess being um, just taken along know, for the in, ride, I guess, exactly to do right. chores. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, I get it, right. as a busy mum, sometimes it's like, oh, I haven't actually done much for you today. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but so it's true. so important for kids to be down on the floor. One of me personally, like coming from being an occupational therapist, I'm... I'm really focused on kids kind of being down on the floor, being on their tummy, because I I feel like one of the most overlooked developmental milestone is sometimes crawling. Mm. Um, You know, we, I hear a lot that some parents are like, oh, this is so cool. My kid just went straight from sitting to walking. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. But we really need to get them down on the floor. Developmental milestones are there, you know, pretty specific and pretty, um, you know, generalised order of things. Again, I'm losing my word. Order, yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so crawling for me is really, really important. It develops our visual system. It develops our vestibular system, which is our sense of balance and stability and movement through space. And it also gets that reciprocal movement of our arms and legs and it gets our reflexes integrated. So 
definitely get your kids down on the floor, mm. get them crawling, get them moving. Yeah. So interesting. I wanted to ask, what are the steps? I mean, I, how do I put this? What would be some of the reasons some children are falling behind? Because obviously diagnosis in little children, I think mm-hmm. certain diagnoses can't happen until they're older, but some can happen when yep. they're younger. What are some of the, I guess, yep. common diagnosis or reasons you see that a child might be falling behind developmentally? I work a lot with kids that have got diagnoses. That's kind of where the business that I work at, we specialise in. Um, But I would say that a lot of the time, if you've got a typically developing child, they might just be, you know, a lack of exposure to certain things, which may then reduce their development in that area. Um, But for me, I see a lot of kiddos that you're right, you know, have got diagnoses of cerebral palsy or, you know, Down syndrome, we get a lot of like rare chromosomal disorders as well. And that, you know, any kind of child that has got some sort of a brain injury or premature birth, they do have a lot of developmental issues as well, or, you know, difficulties reaching their milestones. Sure. And so what do you guys do at NAPA for those kids? What are you kind of teaching them? So we first identify what we call them their primary impairments. So we're looking at specifically what the children are having most difficulty with. We have pretty specialist therapy techniques that we use for our slightly older children. We use a neurosuit, which kind of gives compression and alignment and input to the body about where the body is in space and they have to work against resistance. So we kind of build up the muscles that way. We use another different type of therapy approach which is called DMI, which is dynamic movement intervention. And that we get the children to push up against gravity and they we put them in weird and wonderful positions. Parents often think that they're looking like they're about to be training for the circus. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to work on their natural body responses to push up against gravity and push up into an upright position. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we've got occupational therapists here, physiotherapists and speech pathologists that work here in the Sydney clinic. We're also opening up a clinic in Melbourne in September of this year. So we'll be able to offer all of our our kids and families that travel interstate and internationally that opportunity to be a little bit closer to home too. How fantastic awesome. that centres like that exist and yeah. that parents and families have access to that now. Because I'd imagine even a few decades ago that just wasn't this type yeah. of centre. Specialised care. Nothing, yeah. nothing. I mean, we only opened up in Sydney five years ago and um, grown from a team of three therapists to a team of over 30 therapists. And wow. then that's why we're moving down to Melbourne. Yeah. So there's definitely the yeah. need for it. Yeah, I'm sure you're a lifeline Huge. for so many families. Ali, thank you so much yeah. for joining us. We've loved having you on the show. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. What the? What the? What the? What the? Parenting? Oof. W. Go on. <laughs> no, you're the Go singer. On. Don't be shy, Dad. WTF. Uh, night terrors. Oh. I mean, I know what they are now because we had our first one. Okay. And how many months exactly is Alexander now? At the moment of recording and when it happened, 19 months. Mm. So he's been a bit of a naughty boy. No, not naughty. I know kids aren't naughty, but his sleep hasn't been great the last few weeks. And he's yeah. always gone down at 6.30, woken up at 6. I was very blessed. Now he's waking and waking up at 4. Ugh. Anyway, the other night... 10 p.m. So Rich and I were just falling asleep and he starts to cry. And I said to Rich, is it the morning? <laughs> and Rich was like, no, it's like, wow, that o'clock. sleep was really fast. I was like, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
normally I'll just listen a bit and then I was like, oh no, he's a real distress. So I went in. He was a raging animal in a cage. He was in wow. his cot. And I'd heard about night terrors, but I didn't really recall that much information. I was just like, this poor kid is so stressed. He was like banging his head. He banged his lip on the oh cot and his gosh. lip blew up. And so I was like, oh, my God, Rich came like, in. Did he calm when you got him? Not for about 40 minutes. So wow. I got him out. Bad idea. So then he's trying to sprint down the hall in his sleep suit. He's oh falling gosh. over. I take him out of his sleep suit. He's running around. Mommy, no! Smack, smack, smacking us, banging into walls, like possessed. Possessed. Was he awake? Apparently they're asleep, but his eyes were open. So I'm Googling. Rich is like, let's put him in the car and take him to the hospital. I was like, oh. we cannot get that thing in the car. You couldn't even pick him up. Then 40 minutes later, he like snapped out of it. But then he was like, Mama. Like, let's play. And I was like, oh, my God, you're fine. Let's go to sleep. But then he wouldn't go to sleep for another three hours. Oh, my gosh. So he ended up in bed with me. Rich was in the spare room. Then anyway, it was a night. But night terror. So it was my first one. Sounds like a hoot. Totally normal. You shouldn't try and snap them out of it. Mm. So I should have just sat by the cot and said, you're okay, you're okay. Some people have said to take them out into the cool air because the environment, like the temperature, because I think he was a bit warm. But it was just the most insane thing. Yeah. Like he was literally possessed by the devil. I remember when the twins were just before two. So I reckon they would have been a similar age. They would do like not so physically possessed, <laughs> but they'd both just wake up inconsolably screaming. Like, you know how usually yes. when your child wakes up, as long as you're there and you comfort them, yes. then they oh, usually no. calm back down and go back to sleep. coming near him made him yeah. way angrier. And I just always remember Jason and I sitting there and them sitting on our bed, like just screaming. And I'm like, what do you want? Yes. What do you want from me? But they're asleep apparently. Yeah. And they, I, of course, I looked sense. into the research and they don't really know why it happens. It's Oftentimes so if they're overtired, overheated, exhausted, but they don't know why. And I think it goes with this episode because developmental changes – certain periods of little ones like really changes their sleep legitimately the parenting sphere spends so much time on babies toddlers are way harder and more taxing like there needs to be a whole toddler category it is yeah it needs a category of its own well talking of dreams uh, well night terrors banjo i feel like he's at one of those stages because he's usually same as alexander usually a pretty good sleeper but lately has been doing some weird stuff early wake up whatever but last night He wakes up, same thing. I thought, what's the time? Like, is it 4 a.m. already? Like, he's mm. been waking up at this weird hour. It was 12 o'clock and I walked in and he's sitting in his cot and he's going, Betty, <laughs> Betty, Betty. I'm like, what? I, and I'm thinking, is he asleep? Like, is, did he dream of a birdie? Did a birdie outside wake him? Was like, there a bird know. in his... I have no idea. Is there a bird on like a picture or something? I don't know. And he was bizarre. He, and then he's going, scared. 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 <laughs> but I don't think he was. And then, yeah, it was just And then bizarre. what happened? Did he just put his head back down? Um, I can't really remember. I think I was like, shh, go back to sleep. <laughs> no. There's no damn birdie. And then I can't remember. I probably pulled him into my bed. Like the whole world these days is just a blur between the hours of 10 and, yeah. you know, 6. I don't know what happens. Uh, people come and go from my bed. <laughs> they're welcome. <laughs> as long as they go to sleep. <laughs> as long as they're not a creepy man from the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's weird, right? Yeah, it's – I think – we need a sleep. Let's do a sleep like like a dream pers- dream a person expert. expert. Yeah, that's yes. what we need because I need to know what's going on. Ah, uh, well, are we done? <laughs> well, look. Hopefully, one day we'll dream again. <laughs> you mean sleep again? Sleep to dream. 
<laughs> but if you loved us today, we'd <laughs> love to hear about it. But you can follow us wherever you get your pods. Don't forget to listen to This Glorious Mess. Big kids, they are also fabulous. And rate us using your podcast app. We love hearing from you. So why not send us an email at tgm at mamamia.com.au or leave us your parenting dilemmas on the pod phone 028999386. This Glorious Mess is brought to you by Mamma Mia and this episode is produced by Michaela Floriano. See ya. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.